0: You're listening to The Lively Show, episode 18. Welcome to The Lively Show. I'm your host, Jess Lively, and this blogcast is designed to uplift, inspire, and add a little extra intention to your everyday. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you so much, as always, for being here on The Lively Show. In today's episode, we have Noah Kagan. For those who may not be familiar with Noah Kagan on the design side of the internet, I'll give you guys a quick introduction to Noah. So Noah actually was employee number 30 at Facebook and then eventually employee number four at Mint.com. He's got a really interesting background with those companies, and he's well-known on the business side of the internet, if you will. He has uh, founded his own company called AppSumo.com and has a blog called OKDork.com. I asked Noah to be on the show, even though he's not in the traditional sense, the type of guests that I've had on the show that are bloggers before. I really wanted to have an awesome conversation with him about intentions and values, because from getting to know him and his work, I had the sense that he really, in his own personal life, was hitting on a lot of the same themes that I believe in as well. So today's show actually became more of a conversation than the traditional interview styles that we've had so far in episodes. So it'll be more of a back and forth between Noah than past episodes. And on the show, we're gonna talk about why getting fired from Facebook is still a challenge for Noah 10 years later, but why it also is one of the best things that's ever happened to Noah as a person. We're gonna talk about how Noah processed missing out on potentially $150 million because of that Facebook situation. We're also gonna talk about why outcomes don't make us sincerely happy. And I'm gonna go on a little rant about vision boards. And Noah's gonna give his recommendations for those who are facing a difficult situation or are trying to figure out what they really want. This is a great conversation, guys, and I'm so excited to share. Let's go to the show. Thank you so much for being on the show, Noah.
1: Thanks for having me here.
0: Awesome. So The listeners who've been listening for a while have known that I mentioned in, I think it was the Kim Vargo episode of The Lively Show, that I was going to try a new thing to reach out to someone by not just asking, hey, will you be on the show or could you help me, but to actually offer to give something that they might find, that they enjoy basically. And I mentioned that the person liked tacos. (laughs) You're actually the taco lover yourself and I'm so happy that you agreed to be on the show.
1: Yeah, I do. Uh, I, I'm pretty easily bribed with tacos. Even on my about page on OK Dork, I put, like, can be bribed with taco deli. And people do it now. They, like, they send me a $20 taco deli gift card. And they're like, hey, can you uh, cure cancer for me? I'm like, for 20, <laughs> for 20 bucks, really? <laughs> and then I do it.
0: <laughs> well, at least my request is slightly smaller than curing cancer.
1: Well, I actually was really impressed. and It's funny. It's the things that people aren't really putting in that extra effort. And that's why they're not getting the extra results. They're kind of doing what everybody else is doing. They're, like, following in line. And you actually sent me a headset for this podcast, which is a nice gesture, and it's kind of like, it, one, it makes the quality of your, um, your podcast and your interviews a lot stronger. So one of the things that I've heard before for businesses and I really like the idea was send your customers video cameras and have them make a video testimonial. And then you, you get a free testimonial and your customer gets a camera, that you know. so it's like everyone gets a good experience out of that. And I really like that idea too.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Let's start with your career background. Tell us how you got to where you are, because a lot of these listeners are girls on a different side of the lifestyle world and the internet, so they may not know about Noah Kagan.
1: And that's actually what I was interested in in coming onto your program. So tell me a little bit more about your audience and then the kind of careers that they have and the careers maybe they want so I can you know, highlight what what they would like to hear, or how they can get to the place they want to go.
0: Absolutely. So about 50% are small business owners that are creative small business owners, mostly solo entrepreneurs working for themselves. And the other half, roughly, are, you know, employed in nonprofits or for-profit organizations. And they all love to think about meaning and and, um, purpose as it relates to their careers.
1: Perfect. Perfect. I mean, it's funny about our generation. We're the generation of meaning, right? Like my parents were the generation of sucking it up. (laughs) And like, you know, like my mom was a nurse. She wasn't nurse. She just finally quit. Thank God. But she did it for 16 years and she hated it for 16 years and she just kept going. And then our generation is like, if after a week, we're like, this isn't, there's no purpose in this job. I'm not, I don't find any meaning. We quit.
0: (laughs) I know. I'm going to go travel. I know I actually talk a lot about purpose because it's something that a lot of people stresses them out, actually. And I always say that purpose is serving in the present moment, wherever you are. It's not about the specific thing. Now, you can get more or less meaning out of any specific task that you're doing. But purpose itself at the core is about serving in the present moment. And yeah, it sucks when people can end up checking out of an opportunity they're in in the present moment because they're robbing themselves of any joy and fulfillment in that moment that they ever could experience.
1: Thinking about that, I mean, it's funny because I've gone through probably about two or three phases professionally. So I'll I'll do just a high level, but like one of, I I go through these cruxes where I wonder like, what's the purpose? And I spent literally like, I moved to Argentina for four months and I, and I literally was just like for four months, like, I drank wine, tango, ate meat.
0: You were Tim Ferriss, basically.
1: Yeah, actually Tim, Tim came by and hung out. (laughs) (laughs) He did. But the funny, it was like, what's my purpose? What's my meaning? And I, and my answer was that there was none. And what I recognize is that you have to just choose what meaning and what purpose you want for yourself, and what kind. And you know, I think that relates to your career professionally. Like, and and I think you've said the word, and I really like it. It's with intention. So it's like I want to be doing this job, regardless if you're a janitor or if you're selling things on Etsy or if you want to make homemade ice cream. I don't really care. My my purpose is I love seeing people doing the jobs they love. Like I met a guy two months ago who was a construction worker, and he was so he was super excited about being a construction worker. And I was feeling bad for him because I'm like, well, shit, I, work in a, I get to work from wherever on a computer getting paid surprisingly good money to, you know, play on the internet. And I'm like, that's a dream job for me. And he's like, well, that sounds really shitty to be at a computer all day hunched over thinking all day while I'm just like getting a good exercise and I get my mind to myself. And so I think for a lot of people, it's that within your own career, intentionally choosing the work you want to be doing and having fun with it. I know that through my career, I've made the most money. When I didn't try to make money, and so I'll just be specific. I went to I worked at Intel out of college. I kind of did the traditional. Everyone else is going right, so I'm going to go right too. I, I was scared to kind of choose another path, right? and I think that's a very common thing. Where our parents, or my pa- mom wanted me to have a health insurance, and my grandmother was excited that she knew the company name. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, and I think that's what's very common for a lot of people professionally. And so when you're kind of saying, "Hey, I'm going to," you know, I think it's a little more common with our generation. But I think it's a very big challenge to say, I'm going to, you know, not go to this big company. And so I committed to quitting um, and I, you know, pretty much made it, I submitted my, face, uh, my resume to Facebook very early on. I was number 30 and I got the job. And so one of the things I would say is that people always think, oh, you want to be an entrepreneur? And I, I've always thought I would be an entrepreneur, but it's, being an entrepreneur sucks. <laughs> like, you know. It
0: can. It totally can. Oh, it
1: totally sucks. Not all the time. Yes, it can. It doesn't always suck. And There's a book I'm reading. It's, it is religious, but it doesn't, it doesn't preach religion. It's called Power of Kabbalah. Oh, really? His name is Yehuda Berg. I'm actually reading his new one. That was his other book. If you don't like it, change it. So Yehuda Berg, if you don't like it, change it, or Power of Kabbalah. He just talks about like living with responsibility and intention, and I'm just like, that's awesome.
0: I love that because that's my point with the purpose thing is the purpose is to serve in the present moment. How you choose, what you choose to do is totally your choice. And like you're saying, it goes totally with that.
1: Exactly. I mean, and he said, and and I'm reading his new book started yesterday and his number one thing was like, take responsibility. Like it's your story. It's your movie. It's your script. Like you're writing a book. It's like you write that book of your life and you just hear other people. And and this is one of the things I noticed in corporate world. and, And I guess a lot of people who don't seem like their lives are very fulfilled They put everything externally. Like, my boss did this. My coworker is that. My husband is this. And it's never taking that responsibility on themselves of saying, like, you know, like, I'm not happy with the situation. I'm going to do something about it. And it doesn't have to be a big, drastic Jerry Maguire. (laughs) But, you know, I I intentionally said I want to quit Intel, went to Facebook. One of the things I would say that's a takeaway for the Facebook experience is that I didn't just go in there blind. I think a lot of people, when they, they try to get a job, what do they do? They send in a resume, right? And they, I think it's not about being an entrepreneur or not. That was my original point. It's about just having a job that you truly look forward to going to. And I have I, always, I have two tests that, that, that determine if you love your job. One test is the Sunday test. And the Sunday test is how do you feel about Monday? And when I was at Intel, I fucking hated Sundays because I didn't yeah. want Monday to come. And then the second test is the Monday morning or the drive test is what I call it. And it's how do you feel driving to work? And most people, I would say... I would say uh, the majority of Americans hate their jobs. And that, that pisses me off. I want people to like their work. I, just, I think seeing, being around my mom and seeing how much unsatisfaction she got has really helped encourage me. When I see people hustling and doing something they're excited about, like that, that inspires me. And I want to help other people do that. Um, and Facebook, so I got the job there. And uh, when I came to apply for the job, the, the takeaway I was going to suggest is that I didn't just go in and be like, oh, yeah, you guys should hire me. Like I prepared mock-ups of how I thought their web page should be. I brought examples of other websites that I've been creating. Like I went in with documents and material that almost made it like, wow, this guy, Like we need to have him here. I didn't just send a resume and kind of hope, like, oh yeah, maybe they'll hire me if I just am nice. And I think that's, you know, my, uh, my ex-girlfriend did it at Goala. and what she did, what was really impressive, is she created a 30-page PowerPoint presentation about why they need to hire her. And you compare that to 99% of people who just send in a piece of paper or some document that they change them. Like, oh, I really like X company. And it's the same thing with you in the podcasting. You didn't just say like, oh, yeah, come on podcast. I'm not going to be prepared. You went and researched me, which I appreciate. And the promise of tacos is if this, if this interview does really well.
0: <laughs> yes, yes.
1: So you've definitely put the carrot out in front of me. Uh, and, I mean, just the high level, then we can go back to your questions. Uh, so at Facebook, I got fired. Um, it was the most fun and growth, growthful time. Growth. I don't think that's a real work. Growthful, uh, growing time for myself, but also the most challenging. And so I think that happens a lot in life, where the times that are the hardest, in retrospect, you're like, man, I'm I'm a lot better now after that was hard. But when it, you're in it, it sucks. It's like the stock market. When everything's up, everyone's like, buy more. When it's down, everyone has that attitude. Oh, this market sucks. I can't buy anything now. It sucks. Like one of the things this this infuriates me, Jess. I know you've heard it. I know your listeners have heard it. It pisses me off. When people blame the economy, oh, man, it's a really down economy. It's a really down economy. Have yeah. you ever heard someone say that, like why their job, they couldn't get a job after college or MBA or why their business failed?
0: Yeah. No, I went through the recession myself with my small business. It was not easy, but it was doable. I mean, not for every business. I don't want to like, you know, point any fingers at anyone that wasn't able to do it. But yeah, it's definitely something people talk about.
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting to take responsibility. I think Facebook. I you know after I got fired, I took responsibility for the mistakes I made, and I'm, I think we're going to cover some of those and things I've learned. And so I ended up kind of doing nothing for six months, and I think that's something that if you're not sure what you want to do, I think too many people, including myself, we fill our time with distractions. So we think let's go drinking, let me go out, let me fill up my calendar, let me go like hang out with friends, let me go do all these things. And I think if people actually did nothing, like absolutely nothing, like you sit at home. Maybe you read, maybe you write, and you do the things like, very intentionally. Like, I'm just not going to go force and fill this time with the things that aren't really helping me get more clear. Right? That's actually where you'll help you understand where you, and, like, how you're going to get to the places you want to be going and what you need to be doing. So between Facebook, after Facebook, I was like, I'm not sure what to do. And I did fill it up with some distractions, but I, I do wish I would have spent a little more time trying to understand how I could have improved from Facebook, like either writing about it or just going for walks. I mean, it still bothers me today. It's been what now? Almost ten years later, eight years, and it's yeah, it still hurts sometimes. It's still like, it's still it's an embarrassment. Like it's like a scarlet letter. And the irony though is that I can tell people I was early at Facebook, and that's the impressive part. Regardless if I was like the janitor or what I did there,
0: you could have been doing anything,
1: right? Well, I always think it's ironic because you know people always think, well, and 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 it's actually a women's problem. Um, If you read this book by Lois Frankel, it's one of my favorites. It's called Nice Girls Don't Get the Corner Office.
0: We'll put that in the show notes for everyone.
1: Yeah, it's, it's phenomenal. We think women have to think they have to be very qualified to be in a role. Like they have to have 10 out of 10 on the job list. And this is what the book said. Not, I'm not green sex, I'm just saying this.
0: It is true. Well, let me, let me just say that from the episodes we've done with the what doubts or resistance have you had to face in your career or life, that last question I ask people often from the female or male guests, but especially the female guests will say, you know, I, who am I to be doing this?
1: I mean, who is anyone, to you know, and I think, I think that's like similar to Facebook is like when you go to a doctor's office or if you're in the ER before you get like operated on an emergency, you're not like, what college did you go to? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think with, you know, with women specifically, it is men too, uh, just with men, it's, it's not feeling constrained by external limitations, not feeling like, oh, this is the checklist. I, I don't fit it. It's like, no, well, I want to be in that checklist or I, I don't care about the checklist. And so I, I wanted you know, for my next project, obviously I was embarrassed and I was like, well, I want redemption. I want revenge almost, vengeance. I felt that way for a long time and it took me therapy to really, you know, that, that time of therapy actually, to really understand it was very money related. At, in that period of my life, I was very like, damn, I'm not going to make as, all the millions of dollars. Now it would have been about $150 million.
0: Yeah, that's pretty serious. And that's part, part of why I wanted to have you on the show is even though my readers may not have already known about you, I think that what you're saying is something we all might know, like money doesn't make us happy. When you're talking $150 million though, and I think that scale is fascinating for people to hear from your perspective.
1: Yeah, it makes them feel better about themselves. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, look at that Joe, that sm- <laughs> schmuck. Um, you know, the thing though, is that like, and this is one of the things I've been, I've been writing about this in the Facebook book and I I mentioned, we'll have it at okdortcom slash just lively, and anyone can get the book about my experiences there. Everyone's got tough problems, right? Like everyone, every if any of your listeners doesn't have a problem or had problems, like they're superhuman, right? I, I think it's just more trying to see like what are the different methods that other people have gone through that I can maybe help myself with. And that's why I'm very candid in sharing my story because it's been helpful for me. Some things didn't, some things did become more helpful. So for the Facebook experience, one of the things that was most helpful In in that specific case, in therapy, uh, therapy, the coach said to me, she's like, well, make a list of everything you wanted to buy with that money. And I went home and I made a list of all the things I wanted to buy. And I came back and she's like, well, is there anything you really can't afford now? Like, do you want a house? I'm like, not really. Did you want a car? Yeah. Well, can you buy it? Yeah. And so I recognized like there wasn't that much more to my life that I could actually, there wasn't anything that I was really missing from that money.
0: That's actually what Tim Ferriss says in the 4-Hour Workweek. What does it mean to be a millionaire and find out what those key things are rather than necessarily having to have the million dollars?
1: Well, you know, I'll, I'll tell you. So we have this course. It's called Monthly1k.com. And I basically got tired of telling people how I've started a few businesses that have made seven figures. And it's not arrogant. I'm just like, people kept asking. And so I just put everything I know and we spent a year building it and it sucked. It did suck building it. And the iron, the, the, there's been so many fascinating points from creating that and that's more of a recent product. But the most, one of the most interesting things is a lot of people say, I want freedom. I want to have a job that I can work from anywhere and do anything. And I don't want a boss. Right? And so this is the surprising part, though. I'm like, okay, that's, that's cool. I mean, like, I take for granted that I get to do that. I take for granted that I, I am kind of the boss. I am the boss. <laughs> I guess ultimately my mom's the boss. But after her. <laughs> um,
0: but your mom's the boss of AppSumo? She's
1: the, she's the uh, mama sumo. But what's ironic, though, and this is really surprising to me, Jess, is that, I, that we've actually had a fair amount of people get to that point. And I've had friends that have sold $50 million companies. And I have friends that have sold and made more money. And a lot of times when you get to that thing you think you wanted, you're not actually satisfied because you're not happy with yourself. You kind of put an external thing as like, when I finally get to work from wherever and make 5000 a month, I'll be happy. And then they get there and they're like looking around. They're like, well, I got here. It's like when I bought a place. I bought my first house or the first loft. And I thought there'd be like, like fireworks and stickers and I'd finally be an adult, right? I get my like adult badge and I didn't. And it was a very good reminder of like a lot of the things have to really come internally and reflecting on like, you know, how do you want to just enjoy the process of life and the systems and the flows of life instead of just necessarily like externalizing it to, and it's not bad to have accomplishments and feel good about it and appreciate it, but not necessarily saying like when I get this one thing, then that's going to finally trigger all my happiness.
0: Absolutely. Life with intention online, my class that I teach content through totally talks about this. The outcomes are often outside our control, like getting fired or, you know, even getting the house, the house, your loft could get, you know, struck by lightning or burned down and then it'd be gone. <laughs> right. And, and like the thing that doing the accomplishments, the doing level of success itself is also fleeting. Cause then once you've hit, you know, a hundred million dollars, what's next, right? You're still alive. There's still more to do. And there's always more money to make. There's always more growth to have. So if you're, accomplishments are what's giving you your identity. Again, there's no fulfillment and joy in the outcomes or the achievements. It's actually comes from a totally different level. And it's hard to learn that though.
1: There, there is something to say though, for like people that really just want to be creating, like, let's say an Elon Musk, let's doing Tesla and PayPal and the rocket ships. And maybe the money does, you know, I don't know if money can truly ever satisfy someone, but just the invention does. And then that subsequently has made him wealthy. Because I don't always want everyone to be neutered, necessarily, where it's like, I can't be really aggressive and hungry. And I, I think the ultimate thing that you're saying that I fully agree with is just do it with intention.
0: Yeah, you have to have a value that you're you're embodying in the present moment. That's where the joy and the fulfillment lives.
1: I, I don't know, because that, that phrase almost confuses me. So.
0: so a value is something that's enduring. It's not based on an outcome, and it's not based on an achievement. It is actually a value that is enduring. So, for example, you actually, in your – processes for 2014 touched on values yourself and like the simplicity and open-mindedness for example are ones that come to mind those are values you can embody and what you do as a result comes from embodying the value so from expressing it like how do you want to be simple or have fun or whatever the value is and then the outcomes that come from those actions flow naturally rather than being forced
1: yeah no i think that's a good way of looking at it i mean i think when people can because I think maybe what would help me understand that better just in, in, at a high level is that I think sometimes when I hear phrases, it's easy. But when I hear like a story, it's helpful for me to just internalize it. Because like you got me thinking about how I go to the gym. I go to the gym like five days a week. And I finally got like, you know, I like my arm definition. I like my body. Like I'm like, man, you look pretty good, dude. Pretty good. <laughs> and then I'm like, well, and, and so I got the accomplishment. But I'm like, I'm, I look around for the recognition or something and it's, there is none. G- it, guess who recognizes it? myself. And then it kind of dawned on me. It's very much a process. It's very much like, all right, am I enjoying going to the gym? Am I enjoying like the eating style that I, that I do now? Like I use my and I track everything I eat and yeah, it fulfills me. It makes me really enjoyed and really satisfied. And so I think that was kind of another reminder of it is that moment of not just like getting the six pack, but just like the whole process of experiencing that and living a healthy lifestyle is actually the big thing. Uh, and yeah, it's interesting. I guess you me reflect on that as, uh, as my story.
0: Yeah, you have values there. And, it's, and that's why it's fulfilling. It's coming from a value. And I would say it's probably the healthy lifestyle you're valuing. So you take actions like going to the gym or changing what you eat or tracking it. And the outcome is the better body and the peace that comes with it. Because if you weren't doing it and you weren't embodying that value, you'd be stressed out and you'd be upset with yourself because you're not actually seeing yourself take action according to what's important to you.
1: Yeah. I mean, I go to therapy. Now I go to therapy every other week and I pay 180 bucks for a guy. And I think this is a really powerful statement. And it's so simple. It's very obvious for most people. And I'm sure just most people don't get to do it enough. But literally every week, like I basically there's three categories. It's like my relationships with women and others, myself or my health, and then my work. And then I go through the whatever's the most important thing. But every week you just ask me, what do you want? It's like, what do you actually want with it? So and and that one question clarifies so much for me in every every aspect of my life. Right? Cause that actually helps, you know, and I think your phrase is intention. That help, really helps me figure out what real intention I want to be doing, or what do I really want out of that situation? Is it actually money? Like with Facebook, I had to spend years. Is it like was it actually money or was I just embarrassed? Right? Did it make me feel like I wasn't good enough? Right? And then maybe there's something else with that. And so it's definitely trying to say like, well, what do you want with work? What do you want in your significant other? What do you want in your job if you like your job? And it's just kind of exploring that question in the different parts of your life to help you get to the things you actually want to be doing.
0: You're exploring your values for each area.
1: Exactly. You know, it's funny, I put up on that post, and this, is, you know, this has been helpful for me, is I put up on, on the Okay, OKDork post about what I want to do in 2014. But I think what a lot of times we do is we you know, maybe set some goal or some way of living that we want to try out. And I think that's one, one key thing is that Let's say your goal is to live a healthy lifestyle, and then you—I mean—we can talk about you know planning it out and all that jazz. But I think what I like to do is try it for 30 days, test it, and see if your life after 30 days is better or worse.
0: Yeah, try experimenting.
1: I think that's kind of completely neglected, right? Because a lot of people say, "Well, I can't live healthy, or I can't do this, or I can do that," and it's like, "Oh, I don't know if it's better or worse, so let me try it for 30 days." And see what actually is the result at 30 days and then make a decision whether I want to continue it or, or remove it. Like I I have daily habits, right? So like every night before I go to bed, I do 22 push-ups.
0: <laughs> Why 22?
1: Uh, one for good luck and one for my father. And 20 was because like I just left – I used to be doing – I used to add one every day and I got to like 120. And you know what? I just didn't even want to go to sleep because I didn't want to do my push-ups. <laughs> 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 so I was like, well, this is not serving me. And so – it was, hard, it was hard to say, like, no, you're going to stop that habit. But I was like, well, what do I really want out of this? I was like, I just like doing push-ups. It gives me a little pump. makes me a little tired. And it's like I like having that routine. And so I think it was, you know, trying different things out like that. And then after some period of time, evaluating if it still makes your life better or worse. So I wrote down the things on that post. And then I put it, you know, I guess as you, we were talking before the show, on a vision. you have a vision board. I think a lot of women do vision boards.
0: I'm not a vision board person. I'll just say right now. I'm not. I'm not.
1: Oh, yeah. I like, wow, you were serious about that. You're like, I do not, I don't do the visions.
0: No, that's not, I, Life with Intentional Lines, not specifically about vision boards. They're not bad or good, but they can be used for evil, I will say. They can cause a lot of stress.
1: Inter- well, I want to, well, the only thing, well, I want to hear what that answered.
0: This is the most unusual interview, by the way, anyone's ever listened to this. is pretty interesting because we haven't even gotten to Absumo yet.
1: <laughs> no, Absumo.com. It's a free newsletter for entrepreneurs. Uh, but what I was going to say is what I've done is that I took the things I have wanted this year or the ways I want to be And I put them on my whiteboard at home and I put them on my, I just remember because my friend called me out and I put it on the background of my computer. So every time I look at my computer, I'm seeing like open-minded, simplicity, fun or like what are the things within that that I want to be accomplishing, right? And I just see it over and over and that's really helped me, um, you know, get to be the person that I'm enjoying being or get doing the things that I want to be doing.
0: That is the core of intention. That is what the third level of success, which is being, is all about. That's awesome. So
1: you said you don't like vision boards or they could be like the devil? Like what is?
0: Well, yeah, because when you do a vision board, often what you end up putting on it is visuals, right? So visuals need to have some kind of physical form. So often it's a lot of outcome stuff. It's a lot of stuff. It's a house or it's the person that's skinny, you know, doing yoga. And you're like, I want to be that person. Or it's the house you want to have or the trip you want to go on. And those are all outcome based things. And when you're motivated by that, it's like having a carrot and a stick in front of you. You get to that six pack or whatever it is for you, you know, maybe in the past might've motivated you is just, I just want to be hot or whatever. Like then you get there and you're like, well, no one else cares about this quite as much as I do. And, and what's it for? And often other things can get in the way of that. Like, let's say someone gets, hurt or injured and then they can't do the workout. So they're no longer able to have the six pack. then they're all upset because they weren't able to do it. So I think vision boards can be something that does motivate people, but I think it's kind of a false sense of motivation that ultimately fades because the outcomes themselves are so fickle. Yeah. So I believe in the values and I believe in the values are just the things that are important to you, right? So you said you have those things on your screensaver. That's all very intention-based. So I'm just saying you're doing a great job.
1: (laughs) Yeah. That's why I'm doing this. So I can get uh, validation (laughs) 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 from you. I I like
0: that Noah Kagan needs validation from Jess Lively. I'll take that.
1: (laughs) I do. You know, that's the thing. I will say that my life, um, I think one of the things that I'm, I'm strong at is I'm very curious. Like I ask a lot, of, if you ever hang out and I ask a shit ton of questions, I'm like a, I'm like a detective. But I think the the thing around that is that I get humbled a lot, right? As much as like, yeah, I've eventually ended up making some money, not, you know, not tons of millions, but some, but the part is that I still have to ask questions and stay humble. Cause that is still where I get my growth. So in a specific example, um, so absolutely. is my, my latest business been doing it about four years, free newsletter for entrepreneurs. And we created a product called Kingsumo.com. And Kingsumo, it'll test headlines. So let's say you put out a blog post. You can put in one, two, four headlines, and it'll help figure out which one will get you the most traffic. Because then, based on your headline, people will share it, people will click it, and so forth. And we emailed 10,000 people, and 65 people bought. And I was like, 65? Where the re- Where is the rest of everybody? And then we emailed 20,000 people uh, Monday, or two, yesterday. And then guess how many people bought yesterday out of 20,000? 85 three. I'm Noah Kagan. Aren't I the...
0: Wait, and this is supposed to be like getting people to open them up? Isn't that what you're spelling? No, I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. I'm, I'm supposed to be the marketing guy. I'm supposed to be like the startup dude who, you know, monthly 1k, I teach people how to start businesses at monthly1k.com. Like, I, I, I don't ever fail. Of course I don't. And um, it's kind of ironic though. Like when you see people who have good bodies, you don't see everything that goes into it. And I think that's actually been a, a really, really fascinating point Uh, Between kind of getting what you want, and and I would almost say winners versus losers, or like making more, creating more, the lifestyle you want. So, and when you're not getting what you want, like let's say this promotion specifically, I think it's very easy to give in at that moment. Like that was actually a moment I thought I was like, all right, all right, it failed, I'll give up. And I think that was the moment I was like, actually, this is the difficult moment I need to go into. This is the challenge that I need to say, like, all right, this is where I'll grow because I'm going to learn from this experience. And that's like, what, it's like the hot sauce of life. It's the part that actually makes it really spicy and makes it a little more interesting than the kind of vanilla ways that we're doing things. Because when it's working, like this is, and it sounds shitty, but like when it's working, you don't really learn. When it's working, you're not really growing. It's just like, all right, well, things are good. Of course it's working. But when it's, something is a challenge or something is a struggle or something is harder, that's when the moment that you're really getting tested. That's the moment that you're like, all right, I'm uncertain about something. Now life starts. And that's that's the way that I've looked at it. And so I've made a decision that I'm going to figure out how to make that work. And so I'm spending this week trying to figure out why King Sumo isn't working.
0: Yeah, no, I love that. That's great. Jim Rohn says the same thing. He talks about how he wants to beat you at whatever he does for two reasons. One, because he sincerely wishes to win. And the other is because he sincerely wishes you to lose. And it's basically the idea that you're going to learn more from losing than you will from winning. Yeah,
1: I mean, I I think a lot of that is just, you know, doing. I'm from Silicon Valley. I grew up two miles from Apple. And you know how we all—it's—I I know in some women books I've read, it's like we all have stories. Or Marie Forleo says scripts. Um, and my script is I grew up in Silicon Valley and all this stuff. But I think ultimately, like I was tired of talking about fundraising and how big my company was, or how much money we were making, or you know who's the hot startup this year. And you know, I, I think it's figuring out where that that lifestyle that I wanted to be was. Or having a business that's making seven figures is—it's not an impressive business there. It's a lifestyle business. And I think what I've ultimately wanted is figuring out what kind of business do I want to be doing, which is this business. It's working on AppSumo and, you know, with people I love promoting products that I love. You know, that's it was like, cool, I want that type of lifestyle. So I, even, I left San Francisco, and that's one of the reasons I'm in Austin, Texas, because it provides the lifestyle that I want to be living, not necessarily what everybody else thinks that I should or what they actually want to be doing.
0: Since we're kind of on the topic of values and how you're defining defining your life from them, so is there a value that you found out of Austin versus San Francisco and Silicon Valley?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'd say the value is lifestyle, right? The value to me is like I want to have a balance in my life that I'm not working all the time where I I neglect everything else, and I don't want to be chilling all the time where you know because I've always found myself feeling better when I create. Whenever I create an article on OkDork.com or we put out a new product like this, you know, we have a product called sumomi.com. It's a free tool for like for even your blog. If anybody has a blog or website, it's a free tool to grow your site. And when we create these things, for me, it's very satisfying. So I, I'm, this Austin lifestyle is like, because I get to go have the outdoors and have you know good looking people and good Mexican food and tacos, obviously. But I also get you know the professional side with decently impressive people. I love my team. And then a moderately good uh, community of other people that are, are hustling. It's not where it was in San Francisco or New York, but it's, it's kind of an in-between. And so I go back to those other places and some time to time to kind of get
0: inspired and then I come back home. So what you've done as a result of that value on the balance and everything you've just shared is that you moved to Austin and then as a result, you get the outcome of that more peaceful lifestyle and everything that you shared. That's awesome. So what would you recommend for other people who might be facing a similar situation where they maybe were... I don't know, going through something challenging, like maybe getting fired or the depression or, or just like maybe even chasing the outcome stuff without the values. What would you recommend for people?
1: Mm, what would I recommend? It, you know, I want to say like, think about what you really want. And I, and I think the thing is like, let's say you had a bad situation. Like, so you got fired, you got dumped, you're fat, or you don't have the yoga body that you want to have. Like you can't hit Zumba or bar class the way you want to hit it. I would try to see what can I learn from those historical experiences. So I write a lot. I put it on okdork.com or I do it privately or I go to therapy. So I'd say, number one, learn. So when things haven't been working out, what is it about that situation that wasn't satisfying or, or the way you wanted it to be? And don't blame it on others. Really take the time for yourself. So in therapy, it's, for me, I go to therapy because it's, like, it's my time. I don't have to apologize. I don't have to explain myself. I don't have to. Do, I can be candidly honest. I'm like, yeah, I did that. And not worry about a biasness. And it doesn't have to be a therapist. It could be a you know, diary. It could be a good friend or it could be by yourself. And so learning from what happened and what you, and then kind of, then I'd say the second step is, is that, all right, I kind of want to do something like, and then figuring out what it is you want to be doing. And I know this is not like a a clear formula. This is the way that I go about doing things. Right. So I kind of just keep asking myself literally on a weekly basis, what do I want? I kind of go through two different methods. I haven't figured out the right answer, but if you don't know what you want, and I think that's a really hard question. Like when you know what you want, you're like, oh, of course I know what I want. Right. And then when you see someone who doesn't know that they want, you're like, why don't you know what you want? It's so easy. If you don't know what you want, I'd probably do three things. One, I would not do anything. Don't try to just fill up distractions. I think like alcohol is a perfect example where it's a distraction from having a clear mind. And so I drink from time to time, but I think I notice when I'm drinking, wow, my mind's not clear. I'm not as enjoying the time with these people as I was. So don't fill the time with distractions and really just try to be intentional. Secondly, start doing things. And I know that's totally hypocritical and contra- contradictory, but the point is, is that sometimes just momentum and movement helps you create things you want, right? Because I know that when I'm not feeling good and I go to the gym, I always feel better. Always. I've never not gone to the gym and not feel better. And that's the process of just getting the blood flowing, getting the mind thinking. And so I would try to spend a little bit of time just getting active, either physically or even just mentally like writing or creating something. And that could help you get to where you want to be going. Uh, and then, lastly, kind of just even—I was thinking as as we're talking now. I think if you have a person or friend who's brutally honest with you, brutally honest, discussing with them about what they think for you, because ultimately it's you. Our lives are about taking all these filters, uh, taking all these inputs and filtering them out. We take the inputs, filter them to our decision. That's intelligence. <laughs> it's like choosing which people to listen to and then what we do with it. But I do think that you know, there's one or two people in my life who I you know I very much trust their opinion. So I would explore with them what they thought I've done well, what they think I should be doing, and then internal, and then come back to really myself to decide. I think power and strength comes from internal decision. It's from you actually saying, this is what I want, and I'm going to do that. And, and those are kind of like the ways I would go about figuring out what I want to be doing overall.
0: That's awesome. One of the things you shared in your post about how you got fired from Facebook, which again, I'll link to so you don't have to go through it bit by bit. But at the end, you wrap it up saying, ultimately, I appreciate where I am now and all the experiences I got from not being there. What are the experiences that you got as a result?
1: Yeah, it's hard to say, right? Because I've seen some of the guys who aren't there anymore. And one of them is building a hotel <laughs> in Palm Springs. One of them drives an R8 and is complaining about his boat not getting a boat space. One guy's a mansion SF. And it's not to say that I wouldn't want a mansion SF or that I, could, I couldn't, I don't think I, I can't afford it. But I like the way my lifestyle is. Right? And I like all the experiences that I've gotten to have. I, you know, people say, do you have regrets? I'm like, yeah, you know, I would have liked to not been fired by Facebook, but I, my life has been so much more rich from that, right? Like, i got to experience mint.com. i got to be a part of appsumo.com, right? And maybe I would have gotten to some of that by Facebook, but I, I don't think I would have. I would have been, a, you know, kind of a one-trick pony, which, you know, frankly, maybe at the end of it would have been just as good. I think a lot of times in life we can rationalize ourselves to happiness, and so I, I think I could have easily just taken a lot of bitterness and complained that, that Facebook didn't work out and I didn't get this money, but kind of looking back on all the things I did get to do, like, holy shit, I lived in Argentina, I traveled to Thailand for a month, I went to Russia, like, I've gotten to go to places or I've gotten to do work or I've gotten to experience people. That would not have happened. Either situation probably would have worked out just as well, but uh, just being grateful and appreciating what we have. It, it's so funny, like, I, I just bought this loft I mentioned to you earlier, and the first month of this loft, I keep thinking about wanting more. I'm like, oh man, I want to get more loft. (laughs) (laughs) I want more loft. And I want to write from a book that I think for women, and it is one of my favorite books of all time. And I'll say it in a second. But I had this dream. And the dream was I was walking by the loft and I was with someone and I was so proud of it. I was like, I I bought that. I worked hard over a year supposedly and I've got money and I've owned this now. And I'm really. And I'm so proud of how it is inside and where it is and everything. And I woke up and I was like, holy shit, No, you're not appreciative of what you do have. It's only about what I didn't have. And, uh, and that made me feel really good. And so it's kind of looking at all the things we do have in our lives and you know, some of the things that, that we don't have, you know, in, maybe in our health or maybe in our, in our relationships or in our work, and then working on it, being intentional, as you, you keep saying. like Being intentional, like, I want my work life to be better. And I'm going to be responsible to make that happen. And, you know, that's kind of how it's been since Facebook. And, yeah, I'm not going to bullshit. Like, would I turn down $150 No. But I've seen people, you know, a month ago, I was hanging out with a guy in a penthouse. And he had the sickest penthouse. Like, uh, It's like, it's the penthouse you go to, like, damn, we'd have ragers here. I'd have parties. Like, I want my bar mitzvahs here. Um, That's a joke. Uh, No, I probably would have. And, you know, he just didn't seem happy there. You you know, I'd rather be rich and unhappy than poor and unhappy. (laughs) But ultimately, it's like that money won't make you happy. Right? It's just more about how do you be happy with yourself, with or without the money. Like, that's why lately I throw away a lot of things. I'm like, do I really need all this stuff? So I throw stuff away. I'm like, I don't really use it. And I'm, it's just almost freeing. And so it, it was just a big realization that the money is the external part. And as you say with the internal and the values, how do you feel good with yourself? Like, what activities do you do? Which people are you around? Which work do you do? And if it's not that way, how do you start looking at, at crafting that lifestyle and having fundamental values or intentions uh, to, to get towards that? And so I'll wrap up with, with this kind of piece of it with my favorite book, one of, one of the most powerful books called Women Who Love Too Much. And it's a phenomenal – my aunt's a child mediator and therapist and an amazing woman and she recommended this to me and it's such a good book. And it, it's about relationships but it, it's been reflective of about why are we doing the things we're doing now. And uh, I highly recommend it to men and women everywhere.
0: We're going to wrap up with the last few questions I ask all my guests – Number one, what doubts or resistance have you had to face in your career or life? Now, we've touched on a few, but if you have any that come to mind, feel free to share.
1: Okay. Yeah, I do have a few. I have tons, man. It's my specialty. (laughs) So the doubts and resistance I've had in my life, I think the two key things, one thing has been like my father had a business and he made a lot of money and then he kind of sabotaged it or blew it up. And I had a big fear of doing that, right? And if you look at my career, I've done that. It's my pattern have done. It doesn't mean I'm always going to be doing it, but like, got a job at Facebook, was going to make a lot of money, and it went away. Went to Mint, was going to make a lot of money, and then I quit. The next company, Gambit, worked on this product for a few years. We were making $30 million a year, and then Facebook banned us. And so it's all my responsibilities, but it's like, you know, you're exactly doing what you've always kind of been avoiding, or what you've always been afraid of. And then what I kind of recognized was that, you know, what things did my father actually do really well? He was very generous, he was very hardworking, he hustled like crazy. He was a great sales guy. I'm going to take those. I want those attributes. And his sabotaging, his like behaviors, his – what attributes does he have that I, don't want to, that I don't have to accept? And maybe I can even be stronger than him in that. Right? So like he was never on time. So I'm much more intentional about being on time. He never was really clean. So I try to be clean. And it doesn't mean that you have, can't take any of your parents or any of those things. But it's like let me embrace the good things and not focus on being the bad things.
0: That's great. Actually, we had a guest on who talked about perfectionism and her battle with it. And she said it's something that she appreciates for what it can do and what it's done for her career, but she doesn't need the bad parts of it.
1: That's good. I mean, like, I've done really good at starting businesses, right? I think one of the things that uh, doubts,
0: I think I have tons of doubts. I don't have a
1: ton. I think it's also embracing the goodness of what you're good at. That's a great, yeah, the perfection girl. She can take credit for that. So like, I'm very good at starting and I'm not a finisher. Sure, like it's boring to me to like do the detailed work at the end. I'll do the detailed work and like the hustle and the grind in the beginning. It's like a bell curve. Like the beginning is where all the change happens. Then you get to kind of the boring part and then you get to the long tail part where it's like, all right, we already know this. Like, let's add a new color. All right, let's add, let's add like a new product. Like, I'm like, that shit sucks. But it, it's like, all right, well, how do I take advantage of that and then hire people or surround myself with people that want that part so that I can just keep embracing? Cause I, for a long time, you know, after Facebook, I was like, people are like, man, you're at Facebook for nine months. You're at Mid for nine months. Like you're not going to stick around. You're very unstable. And it was like, no, that's actually what I'm good at. I'm good at getting things going. So with AppSumo.com, it's like, all right, well, how do I do that with people, so that I can be successful and do the things that I'm good at, and I have other people that are good and can provide me that support and are not even support, but like complementary.
0: Yeah, which explains also why Facebook didn't last. If that's what you love, and as you've shared, it's, it's it was getting past that point in the company where you would thrive there.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, what's funny is now that you got me thinking about it, if I never got fired by Facebook, I would have not grown because that company had the best people in the world, which pushed me to grow a lot. And if I stayed there, I don't know if I would how much more I would have grown as a person versus like the adversity and the challenge that I was faced from my own story because I wasn't there.
0: Yeah. There's some quote about like the places where we're over hurt. We end up becoming stronger. So last but not least, what would you tell someone who's just starting out on this journey?
1: Which part of the journey?
0: Any part you'd like. I like to leave that open-ended so that the guests can answer what feels most true to them.
1: (sighs) You know what I've been thinking about a lot lately? Like what really inspires me is just start working. (laughs) I I swear, the word is hustle. Take a pen out right now. If you're on your computer, write it down. Tweet it at me at Noah Kagan. I'm hustling. Put it on your phone. Put it on your background. But hustle. The way I'm I'm interpreting that word is not just hustle, it's kind of almost like it could be like a dirty word, but it's more that if you really want something, put the effort into it. Right? Like, if you really want your, if you want to quit your job and run your business, like, are you waking up early? Are you staying up later? Are you doing weekends? And I've helped a lot of people start businesses, and I'm seeing that that is almost one of the key, you know, that and attitude, like the key attributes of what is separating these people. Like, they're not smarter. There's a lot smarter people, but the smarter people almost feel entitled to it happening. While these hustle people are making it happen. So I would say if you're in the beginning of your journey, if you're in the middle or you're in the end, like it never ends. Like it's the same with the gym. I thought when I got my six pack, it's over, but it still goes. And so you just keep going and figuring out, all right, let me keep hustling and balance that, you know, so you don't burn yourself out, but keep hustling. So that's, uh, I would encourage anyone who's starting out in the middle, ending, uh, just keep going forward.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for being on the show, Noah.
1: Yeah, it was fun. It was interesting to think about this stuff and talk with you.
0: And there you have it. Thank you, Noah, so much for being on the show and thank you for listening. If you'd like to send Noah a message about how you're hustling or how much you enjoy this episode, please send him a message on Twitter at Noah Kagan. And if you'd like to get a list of the posts and the resources and books we've mentioned, go over to jesslivycom slash Noah Kagan. Thanks so much and have a great week, guys.